The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to hear about the most effective way to generate net new prospects using email. Joining us is David Delaney, who is the CEO of TenBound, which is a research, advisory, and events-focused sales development firm. And today, David and I are going to talk about starting and scaling your outbound SDR team. All right, on with my conversation with David Delaney, the CEO of TenBound. David, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me, Ben. I'm honored. I'm excited to chat again. I was a guest on your podcast. God, I guess it's been a couple of months ago, and we had a great conversation about podcast production and monetization. And hey, you're on my turf now, Grandma. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you a little bit about your area of expertise. You ready to talk a little SDR? Let's do it. I'm excited. In the introduction for this podcast, I said that using an SDR team was the most effective way to generate net new prospects through email. Am I right or am I full of shit? I think you're right. Obviously, we wish that we could live in a push-button world, right? And just order our pipeline generation on Alexa. That's not what we have today. And we still need a human component. And that's where the SDR team comes in to create that kind of connective tissue between your marketing efforts and your sales team. Now, you say we need that human component, but when I think SDR, I'm thinking somebody who is a sort of middle-level English speaker, at least for this market, who is using artificial intelligence and templates to send out targeted emails with a couple of variables. I don't necessarily think of that being the most human approach, and I will preface my comment with, I have an SDR. I'm not sending the outbound emails. I wrote those templates and they get sent to everybody under the sun. Talk to me about the humanity of building an SDR. Is it actually a one-to-one communication or what's the real marketing magic behind the one-to-one email? I think to your point, you could look at the function itself on sort of a continuum. So over on the left, you could have a completely automated SDR team at this point, basically. I mean, between the data that's available out there, the intent signals that we're seeing, and just the AI capabilities, there is a sort of a set it and forget it aspect of the industry. 
And then as you move over the continuum, it becomes more and more human related all the way to like a one-to-one enterprise sales development team where they're creating handcrafted messages for individual executives. So it sounds like you're kind of over on the sort of left side of this continuum in that there is a human involved, but they're leveraging a lot of the tools. And there's a place for that. It really just depends on where you are in the cycle and what you're looking for from the SDR team. I'm torn because I understand the idea of an enterprise sales team needing custom crafted messages and you want a native English speaker who went to college in the United States and understands the sales process to go reach out to the biggest, most important customers and feed them to your AE who slam dunks them home and is the breadwinner. The revenue on the flip side, I'll talk a little bit about our process for a second and I want to hear if we're doing it right. No, I think of the data source first. We are reaching out to MarTech companies because we're the MarTech podcast. So we found a list of, you know, Scott Brinker's list of the 7,000 MarTech companies. And I give those to a research assistant who goes, finds the emails for the marketing executives at all those companies. And then we have a four email sequence that our SDR puts together, takes all the names, information, checks to make sure that the email's right. But the emails are primarily the same with the exception of a couple variables here or there. And then we send them out and, you know, I field the incoming responses. And that might sound like it's the automated process and good for the sort of lower end, not super crafted, not high price point, thousand million dollar relationships. But on the flip side, my email template within the last month has netted a multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue multi-year contract for a presenting sponsor. And we reached out to them for this podcast, just like we reach out to everybody else that's in the industry. So what's the difference between your handcrafted email and just a really good template? Talk me through it. Why is it what you called the right side before, which was the handcrafted emails? Why is that the right solution for some brands? So thing number one is, If someone's new to the whole sales development process, you know, a couple of things that you touched on, Ben, was there was the research component and the data component, getting the actual data into a format that is usable. So taking that Scott Brinker map and getting it into a spreadsheet and having it cleansed and things like that. So that's sort of a work packet that needs to be done by somebody. And then you have the next step, which is taking that and contextualizing it, putting it into your cadence and sending it out. That's a work packet that needs to be done by somebody. So if somebody's listening to this and you're new to the sales development space and you don't have anybody doing those things, you're shooting yourself in the foot to some extent because you don't want a high-priced asset like Ben, you know, the principal of the company, having to comb through these things and spend all this time doing that when there's people out there that would love to do that at a much lower price point. So thing number one is if you don't have something like that, think about setting that up and getting it going. Thing number two is if it's working for you, then you've hit the formula. And I think that's what a lot of people that struggle with the sales development program are are trying to figure out. What is the right formula for penetrating into my market and getting responses based on my sales price and the type of companies that I'm trying to break into? If you've found that formula and it's working and it's making sense financially, keep going, keep pouring fuel on that fire. But if it's not working, 
if you're using that formula and you're not able to penetrate, you're not getting any response, there's no pipeline, then it's time, hey, maybe we need to mix this up a little bit, start doing some more testing and try a different process that might take you in a different direction. So we titled this episode, Starting and Scaling Your SDR Team. And I think it's worth reiterating some of the points that you've made in terms of how to get started. The first is understanding, it's your list building, finding a data source, a list of companies that you want to profile, whether you're putting that together manually. In my case, thank you, Scott Brinker. You put a list of everybody in the organization. Even before we started targeting Scott Brinker's list, we were looking at marketing events. People that were doing event marketing, targeting marketers, were good targets for us selling podcast sponsorships. So there's multiple different data sources you can look at. Then you need a list builder, right? Somebody that's going to go through that target profile and enrich the data that you have. And this is basically helping you fill out whatever variables you're going to use in your email templates. But that is, I want to reach someone at 10 bound. Okay, I need somebody to go figure out who is a senior executive that would have marketing decision-making power at that organization. And then what's the person's name? What's their LinkedIn profile? What's their title? What's their email? Whatever other variables I want. Somebody has to go through and do that research. Then you get into the content portion. Once I have that research put together, you need to actually put that together into some sort of a marketing message. And then you need to send those marketing messages out. So talk me through those last two pieces. You collect your data, you've got it enriched, you've got all the stuff that you're going to put in your emails. How do you craft an email that's going to resonate? And then how do you get it to the right people? You touched on something that's really important. And really, if you're looking at this whole process of sales development, good sales development is essentially project management. So if you're thinking about starting something like this, you have to think of the whole process as a project that's continuous and is in continuous test mode. So we're talking, and I know it's the most boring topic on earth, but milestones, deadlines, what are we looking for as far as the results from this and then continuous improvement of the project? So to your question, we have that last mile of the project where you've done a lot of the data work, you've got it in place, now it's the last mile. So the content is super important as far as it's gotta be brief, it's gotta be to the point, and it's got to be relevant to a pain point that the particular prospect might have at that time. And that's something that we struggle with as marketers all the time to put together because we want to write this big, long thing about our product and how great it is. But it really has to be appealing to the individual and get them to respond and have a good, strong call to action. The other thing that's really important, especially if you're using automation tools to do this, is you've got to check the font the size, the colors, and make sure that it's not sort of a template with a few tokens plugged in and those fonts and colors and everything look different when they're received by the individual because it just really makes you look, you're almost there because you've put in a lot of thought and craft into getting the message together and it's a little bit customized, but now all the fonts and everything is all different. And then one other thing to consider is deliverability. How good is the domain that you're coming off? Are you blacklisted? Are you going straight into spam? And have you thought about your deliverability on that? So those are a few of the factors to consider there. There's two methodologies that I can think of when you're writing that sort of cold outbound email. 
I am firmly in the camp of one, which is write the email like you would write to an individual person. And in this case, for our SDR program for the MarTech podcast sponsorship sales, I took the emails that I was sending or that I had crafted and realized that I don't have to write a new message every time I'm sending an email. I can reuse the email. So I was copying and pasting what I had sent to one prospect to the next. And then I said, look, I could just do basically a mail merge and take out some variables. And then I started handing those emails to someone else to send. It is actually my template. So it is in my tone. And for our outreach, it's, hi, I'm Ben. I'm the host and producer of the MarTech podcast. I'm reaching out because you're on the MarTech 5000 list. So we think that you would potentially be a good sponsor. Here's a little information about our show, four bullets about the show. And if you're interested in hearing about our sponsorship program, let me know. And that's basically the whole email. And then, you know, there's a couple other emails that come in a sequence after. That is one where it's written in a human tone to me. And the other school of thought is, presenting the problem first and getting it, basically making it a sales email, not a personal email. Hi, David from 10bound. Do you have problems reaching marketers? Is finding technology solutions a problem for your customers? You should sponsor the MarTech podcast. I'm Ben. I'm the host of the show, right? Stating the problem up front as opposed to making an introduction is the other school of thought. And I've heard a lot of marketers talk about why you need to present the problem up front because it's engaging. I just don't feel like that's how people write emails. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. What's your school of thought? So it's a really good point. I mean, we get those all day. And especially, like I said, if it looks like it's automated, then it's very easy to just market a spam and move on. Couple of things. One is going back to the project management aspect. The, the key factor to think about is you've got to always be A-B testing. And I know that's a very easy consulting thing to say, but it's really, really important in this because 
if you're selling podcast sponsorships versus somebody might be listening, I used to sell DNS security to, uh, you know, I know <laughs> exactly. So they're going to need something different. So let's try a batch of emails that are written in the first person and just say, Hey, we're selling DNS security. Would you like to take a meeting to talk about it? Versus we're hearing out there in the marketplace that hackers are coming in through your DNS. Let's run a test of those over the course. Somebody needs to track it. Somebody needs to gather the campaign data, put it up onto a slide and talk about it to see what direction we should continue to go in. A problem that I see over and over again in companies is that they're going from campaign to campaign to campaign, and they're moving so fast that they're never really taking a step back and seeing what's working and what's not, and then iterating on it. So that's just something to think about with regards to the messaging. So when you're starting out, you've never done an SDR campaign, or you've never been responsible for one, you're launching a new program. What's the school of thought for how many emails to send? I've heard everywhere from send three to send eight emails. How much copy are you writing? Just how many touch points do you need to actually start driving conversions? Again, sorry about the consultant answer, but it really depends. <laughs> but say we're starting from scratch, right? And you've got a good product. You've got a pretty good idea on your target market. You've got a good list. Okay, where do we start? I would say start the A test with a series of three to five emails that go out and start in your own voice what you think is the best possible hypothesis that will get a response from people. Keep it short, keep it to the point, put a strong call to action and launch it. And then start a different series on your B test over the same time period to the same number of people and start to monitor how many opens, how many responses, and where you're getting a better response rate. And then at the end of that test, go through and try it again and just continue to iterate on your messaging to see if you can continue to just bump it up by a percentage each week. There's no silver bullet, really. It's a continuous testing process to see where you're getting a better reaction. Spoken like a true consultant, I think the correct <laughs> answer to the question is four. That's how many emails we send, but <laughs> right. I have not A-B tested it. Maybe that fifth email is the secret to success, but I, I'll tell you what we do. I already mentioned the first email. Yeah. The second email is a quick follow-up. Hey, just wanted to bubble this up back up in your inbox. I send it three to four days after we send the first email. I want to bubble this up in your inbox. I'm sure you're busy, but if you're interested in having a conversation, here's a link to schedule a time for us to chat. The next one I think is, hey, if you're interested in podcasting or sponsorships, you're not alone. Here are some of the other brands that have sponsored the podcast. I'm basically presenting some social proof. Here's some brands that you've heard of that are sponsors of the podcast if you're interested in hearing about it. And then the fourth email for me is what I affectionately call the shitter get off the pot email, which is, hey, I don't want to flood your inbox. I do think that you guys would be a great fit, but if this isn't a good fit for you, please do let me know. I'm not going to bother you again, but I'd love to connect. And that actual last email really does perform well. The, hey, I don't want to bother you more than I have to, so I'm going to stop here. And then sometimes what you'll get is the, I actually do want to talk to this person, but I keep getting emails and I get a ton of them and I just didn't bother to respond. Now I actually have some fear of loss. So that fourth email converts for us relatively well. 
I think we get something like 70% of the people that we send an email to open it. And I think it's like 30% of them that open respond. Wow. And I think 50% of them actually schedule meetings. Talk to me about the benchmarks. A, are those the right metrics to think about? And what do you see as like an average? I mean, you're way above average. And that's a great initial sequence that you could send out. And obviously you're getting great results. If you get like a 20 to 30% open rate above that is good. And the response rates, if they're higher than like 10% are considered good today. So you're blowing those out right now. That's where you could start and you want to juice it up and get it as good as you can. So let's talk about what that means for a second, where you're saying an open rate of 30%. That's how many people are opening the email that you're sending, right? That's a pretty easy number to understand. But when you say a 10% response rate, is that 10% of the people that opened the email or is that 10% of the total people that you sent emails to? That open it. And that's them writing back in the affirmative saying, yeah, sure, I'll talk to you or you can set me up with your rep. So this is what we see out there in the B2B space. And it's pretty abysmal, to be honest. And we're talking email right now, but there's a whole plethora of different channels that SDRs use. Because if you're just relying on email, it's really tough to get anything. Yeah, I think that's an important call out that Starting with cold emails can be an incredibly effective way to drive conversions. You still need to have some sort of brand awareness, right? It's easy for me to reach out as the MarTech podcast to people that are in the MarTech industry. And one of the reasons why we're seeing 70% open rates, and I was actually wrong, it's closer to 15% reply rates. The reason why we're able to see you know metrics that strong is for a couple of reasons. One, we're well-targeted, right? We're reaching out to the right people. Mm-hmm. And two, those people are likely to have heard of the product or services. So not too big of a stretch to assume that people that work in MarTech might have heard of the MarTech podcast, or at least because it's easy for people to assign credibility because our brand name is also the industry name that they work in. But you do need to have some sort of awareness or at least all the other marketing efforts that you're doing to raise the awareness and affinity the sort of acceptance of your brand impacts how people are going to respond to your emails. David, before we let you go today, give me some tips for raising the credibility, awareness, sort of impact that your brand might have before you send those cold emails. That's a long play. And you just gave folks the formula to be really good at this in that you have a niche for your podcast and you have a really good idea about who the potential buyers are going to be. Right there, you're cutting ahead of the line because a lot of people out there don't have those things nailed down. So once you've got that very well-defined niche and you know who your buyers are, now from a brand perspective, it's reverse engineering the content that you're putting out. What are their problems and how are you solving those through the long content game? The podcast, the blog posts, the webinars that you're putting out, are you becoming the standard source of information for that particular niche. And when they think of your brand, they're like, okay, they don't sell fresh fish. They don't sell life insurance. You know, They're not a tire company. They're really, really good at this one thing. If you're that one thing, now it's outbound time. Now we're going to start dripping them to talk about stuff that we sell they're going to associate you with being really, really good at that one thing. Very credible. Okay, I'll take that meeting, right? 
versus just some random person reaching out, which we get a hundred of those a day. There's no recognition. Got a hack for you. You already have their email addresses. Yeah. Because you're going to put them in the email list and you want people to be aware of your brand before they receive that email. You do some content marketing. Take your best piece of content, stuff that has the longest time on site, the most engagement, the most interesting, the thing that best positions your brand to be a thought leader, and you use the power of the social networks, you put a little budget behind it, and you just make sure that you are driving that content to be in front of your prospects as much as you can a week or two before you send your emails. Hey, at least they've seen the brand, right? At least when they log on to LinkedIn, they log on to Facebook, David, I'll use your company. They've got the 10 bound brand. You know, what is our top 10 outbound tips for MarTech marketers? That piece of content that's super relevant to them, just make sure that you put that in front of them. They see the brand. They've built some sort of awareness of you. And then when the email comes, they've at least seen the logo. They at least have some impressions. Hopefully they clicked. Hopefully they engaged. If you're a great marketer, you could figure out if the person has done that and then you start sending your outbound. But worse comes to worse, you just prime the pump a little with some of the content syndication and you could use Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, what have you to get your content out there to just warm them up a little bit to what they might be hearing from you in your cold outreach. 100%. Yep. And some of the account-based marketing platforms, that's their whole thing. And it's interesting because I've bumped into those while doing client work with the sales development team, and they don't really have a great interface with the SDR team. But one of the big sales pitches that those account-based marketing platforms has is that you're going to sort of saturate the key accounts with your logo and your brand and your thought leadership and coordinate this account-based outbound program to go out and talk with them. So they see you on LinkedIn, then they see you over on the side when they check their email and they see you. And then all of a sudden, one of your SDRs calls and it's you again. It's like, wait, how do I know you from? From ABM to SDR to PPC to LMNOP, we've created the marketing word salad. But the truth (laughs) is, it's a blend of building awareness, reaching out to the right person at the right place at the right time with the right offer. And the SDR on the outbound program is a great way to do that. David, let's bring you back again tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about figuring out value from your SDR program. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with David Delaney, CEO of TenBound. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, David and I are going to discuss defining the value of an outsourced SDR team. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about David, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is DKDNSF. That's D-K-D-I-N-S-F. Or you could visit his company's website, which is tenbound.com, T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. 
All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.